Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. Great show for you today. My name is Kevin McDonald. I'm your host here on Positive Talk Radio. And uh, you can find us by going to positivetalkradio.net. And uh, we're all over the place these days. It's kind of cool. And uh, we're doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, one of the cool things that I want to talk about today is uh, my guest for the hour, and that is uh, Lynn Harley. And as in as in motorcycle, you're not part of the Harley clan, are you? No, unfortunately, I'm sure I would have a lot more money if I was. <laughs> <laughs> and she she is a, uh, a life coach and a consultant, and she's also an author. And she's also a cancer survivor. And so she's done a whole, her life has been full of all kinds of interesting turns and things and stuff. And, and we're going to talk about all that. And, and also the book she's written, which is called, it's a child. I, I, I phrased it in the, the introduction. There you are. I phrased it as a children's book that is good for everybody. Yes. It really has a powerful message for every age group. And we'll speak a little bit to that in a bit. Yes, indeed. So how are you? I am excellent, Kevin, and it's always a pleasure to be here. I love what you're doing. I love what you're about. And uh, I'm actually zooming in and thinking extreme gratitude for, for Zoom and technology. I am zooming in from Mexico. Ahika. Oh, my goodness gracious. What you doing down there? You know what? I have landed in this beautiful spiritual center, and I'm just taking some time for me, although I'm still working because I have Zoom. But um yeah, it's really, really a gift this time right now to be here. Now, when you say spiritual center, what 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 do you mean by that? I'm actually in a center called Namaste, Namaste Center. Oh, cool. It's very much a spiritual-based center. They, they study different, um, you know, sort of teachings, of course, in Miracles, Unity Church. It's sort of ecumenical. And, and so really... A powerful experience and a gift to be in a community with like-minded people. The people who are coming here are coming, I think, to fill their souls and they have a lot to give. So it's, yeah, this is my first experience and I kind of landed when I was thinking about what would I love. That's my, that's my coaching question. I ask myself that. So I coach myself, trust me, through life. Very good. And you coached yourself all the way down to Mexico. I did. Yeah. <laughs> is it a big school? There are a bunch of folks there, or is it? It's only a school. No, it's a center, and I don't even know how many. They have different, and it's it's getting very popular. So I've actually just arranged. I want to stay in the community, so I'm having to move out of it in mid-February because of the space is very limited. But it's, you know, there's just different things that you can be involved in, lots of discussion groups and um time to reflect, I guess. It's not so much a school, I would call it. I mean, you can come and go as you please. It's actually considered an intentional community. And so I'm digressing a little bit, but what I'm, you know, what, why this landed with me is that I'm just sort of looking at what would I love moving forward as I, I don't like even to use the word age, but mature in my life, you know, and I know that I want to be surrounded by people who are on sort of a similar spiritual journey as me. And there are people who are here now full time and who are like aging in place. So it's a beautiful community. I met one woman, one woman last night who's 89 and honestly, she looks amazing. And I think, how can you not, um, this is what I want to say, how can you not thrive when you're surrounded? First of all, it's a beautiful climate. 
apparently it's one of the second best climates in the world because it's inland. So you have almost the same climate all year. In the day, it gets very pleasant. And then it cools down in the evening because we're in the mountains. And oh, wow. yeah, so there's this spiritual community that cares for one another. And, you know, that appeals to me going forward with my life. So I'm kind of giving it a dry run here and going to go home and make some decisions about what I would love moving forward. I think it's a, it's a, it's vital that we find like-minded people because so many of us that are not of the quote unquote mainstream religious cycle doing the, the mainstream thing. And we think a little bit differently. Sometimes it's hard to find people that are of like mind and, and understand where you just even to understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I've had a, other experiences, you know, being in communities and they were, you know, nice people, but not my thing, you know, golfing and happy hour wasn't for me. Again, it's right. not, not a reflection. I mean, everybody, whatever, you know, resonates with you. But for me, I know, I just feel like the, as I, as I mature, I'm going to say that, I just feel this call to even go deeper, you know, spiritually. It's an important aspect if that's if that's what you choose to do, and then we're going to talk about your your bio in a, in a second because you've been through a lot mm -hmm. over the course of your life, from from you know the cancer to losing the business to the husband, the the whole thing, and um, it is important while we're still here in my opinion, to get together with people that you can resonate with, who speak the same language, who understand why you're feeling the way you do and, uh, and can, can, can help, help you through it. And in my, for my money and, uh, Ooh, that was a deja, deja, deja vu moment <laughs> for my money. Um, spiritual people who are giving and loving and caring for everyone without regard to race, religion, sex, orientation, all that stuff. It's a different flow than it is in, even in the church setting that I grew up in was not, it did not flow like, like I've been in spiritual communities and with uh, working with spiritual, and there's just a glow about people that feel like life is an adventure and that they are that they are energy, and that we're all one, and that we're all working together. That there's just a flow that just doesn't happen in secular society all that much, at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. What do you? Um, well, a few things came up for me when I was listening. You know, I, yeah, I've been through some tough stuff, but I'm going to say probably everybody listening has been right. We have our own idea of what's tough, and I also believe that um, one of the sayings within the work I coach is, you know. The content of our lives is the curriculum for our soul's evolvement. So it's often those challenging and difficult times which really get us on track. You know, I work with people who are checking their soul at the door at a job they don't like. And then, you know, it spills over. There's health problems. Or they're going home unhappy and it, it comes out in their relationships. So, I mean, what I'm coaching is about really leaning into a life you love and listening deeply to what that is for you. And so I think having cancer, one of the things that I got out of that is, I mean, I think I'm a real free spirit and I love to have a good time. But I also, um, I don't know, sometimes I don't have patience just for a lot of small talk. You know, there's something like I just, I want to go deeper. I want to really hear what's going on for people or get them to share, you know, what's really going on for them. And I, and I 
think that that's one of the things that came out of it is I have, and this maybe it's not a positive thing. I just sometimes struggle with doing superficial all the time. I mean, I can carry on a conversation and I'm pretty comfortable wherever I go, but I also like it when I get to know people sort of at that soul level, like what's going on with you. And when you talk about um, a couple of things about coming here, I think it's really important for us to each, each one of us to be able to fill our own cup. You know, even in scripture, you know, Jesus went into the mountains to pray, especially when you're in any kind of a helping field. It might just even be your supporting aging parents. And it means, you know, taking care of your own self. Caregiving is one of the most challenging. They often say the caregiver gets sick before the person they're caring for. So for me, it's an opportunity to do that. And um, and I and I think, too, that when you really connect with what you love, you're connecting to that spiritual essence. I mean, every one of us is being breathed by a power greater than ourselves. We can't breathe ourselves. And I think the more... Um, the more we tune in and we come from that spiritual essence, I mean, it just is love. And it just is. And I'm not saying I'm there 24-7. That's for darn sure. But but I know what you're saying. You just see that sometimes in people's eyes. It's like you see their spirit coming through them. They're in, they are in that flow. So I don't know if I commented in a way that you... Yeah, that's perfect. Well, in my frame of mind, every show that I do is perfect regardless because it's real and it's honest. And we talk about and we talk about real things. As an example, the one thing that you mentioned there is that the superficiality of our society in many cases. We're talking about our kids. We're talking about our houses, uh, our careers and what we're doing. But we're not talking about each other. We're not talking about how to help each other, how to support and to care for one another spiritual communities seem to do that much better because they are going, they want to do what you do, which is go deeper. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are just not interested, even, even amongst, and I'm sure you've noticed, even amongst married couples, um, you can be a married person for a long time to somebody, but you never really have a deep, deep conversation with somebody so that you actually know deeply who they are, you know, who they present themselves to be, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's who they really are at a fundamental deep level. I'm, I was married for 24 years and <laughs> we went to a spiritual center one time and my, my wife was a very closed woman. She was very pretty, but she was closed and didn't open herself up. And the leader of this, of the spiritual community, we were having a little round table discussion and everybody in turn was talking about themselves and their life and what they were doing and their hopes and their dreams came to my wife and uh, the leader looked her straight in the eye and she said so Jennifer where do you want to go who do you want to be who are you she started crying <laughs> didn't say anything didn't did but just you know start, and I, when I mean crying I mean she was bawling because she had never I don't think in her life she had never been asked that question in a real, honest way because she was used to the superficiality of the, your relationship should be like this, your house should look like that, and all of those things rather than a deep. And, and what I'm struck by, I think, in your work and what you do is the people that you are working with, and I don't can't say all of them, but I'm willing to bet that a lot of them are tired of the superficiality 
and they want to find out who they really are and what life is really about. And that's why they're coming to you. Is that, is that a fair statement? Well, I think a lot of people, when they come to me, like I did a vision workshop in January and I'm starting to work with a few people next week, you know, it's just this feeling of stuckness and not knowing how to move forward, you know, and I think especially when we're going through transitions, that's very, um, you know, that's sort of prevalent often. And, and we need that. We need that support to move forward because when we're in a transition, whether it's leaving a marriage or going through a health crisis or retiring, even like I worked with people in retirement and all of a sudden it's like they didn't have to think about their lives. Even if they weren't happy, they were going to their job every day. They had a place to go. And for example, one person that I worked with when she and, and again, I don't think anything happens by accident. When she reached out, she said she was sitting on her front step and she had just retired. She said a tree had come down in a storm the night before, crashed down across the yard. She was waiting for the tree people to come and drag it away. I had sent something. She was on my MailChimp list. And she said, when I looked at that tree and I read your my newsletter, she said that tree across the lawn just felt like my life. It was like a metaphor for my life. And I was just stuck. I didn't know what I wanted moving forward. I didn't know if I wanted to stay married. So she was all of a sudden, and I think sometimes it's not until we get some space that those things come up for us. You know, when we're in the busy, 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 and sometimes that's why people do stay busy because then all of a sudden, if there's too much space, they have to face the fact that they're really not feeling fulfilled in their lives, you know, and, um, and it's scary to leave that comfort zone. So I think often transitions, um, working with a young man who, you know, just said, I, for 10 years, I'm going nowhere, you know, and we just, it's been such an, such a rewarding experience to watch this young man grow. He's in his early thirties, you know, and he said, I just feel like I'm growing up. I'm starting to figure out what I want. And, and I'm, you know, busting through all of these messages, which is kind of what my book is about, you know, that I always told myself, well, I'm just an introvert. Like, you know, we're the ones who create the experiences and sometimes we're not aware of the messages that are even going through our minds. Right. And you're, it isn't until you get to a certain age or a certain place in your life when those things come up for you. Um, and sometimes they can come up in your, in your twenties or your thirties, but oftentimes it doesn't come up for me. I was 42. Mm -hmm. Um, when it, when it came up for me and, um, but unfortunately I was married to somebody it didn't come up with. And, you know, so they were happy with the, with the way things were. I wasn't. And mm -hmm. so I made the changes part of which was to uh, go on the radio and to do, and to try something different and, and stuff like that. So, but for me, it was that, but for, and it can be at any age, it, it seems to me. Um, Absolutely. Like I see, like I said, people in their retirement, I've worked with people in their seventies, you know, and I think even that's kind of a, and you know, I'm, I'm going to be 70 in a few years and I'm thinking, you know, you think, okay, am I just going to lay down and, <laughs> sort of quit living because of my age or am I going to just give it my best? And I think that, you know, people that I've worked with that are older and, and I can see how easy it happens is it's really easy to start losing confidence in one's self as you start to get a little bit older. And, and one person had written that, you know, she was starting to have osteoporosis and a bit of a health crisis. She said, I almost felt like my body was collapsing on me. Like it was, it was in reflection of what was going on in my mind. So, you know, there was some awareness there. And, you know, again, it's just really 
this program that I coach is predictable. It's proven. It's about awareness. And if people come in with transformational illness, willingness, they will experience new results. It's not up to me, really. I just feel like I'm the instrument and I'm showing people how the universe really works. And when you line up with how it works and you really tune into what you want in your life, you know, you're going to have a completely different experience. But it's it takes rigor. We use that word. You know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. It's very easy to collapse back to what's familiar because we know it, right? Oh, yeah. It's traversing the unknown. Like you said, sometimes relationships end because, and maybe they've been dead for a while, but we've just been staying there because it's easier to stay there, we think, than it is to move forward. And yet there's so much more on the other side if this isn't, you know, and sometimes we're doing the other person as much a favor. I think we think sometimes, oh, if I leave this person, then, you know, I'm this horrible person. Well, sometimes we don't know what the highest good for anybody else is. And um, yeah, so. That is, that is, that is so true. And, and by the way, from my perspective, it's none of our business. Um, That's, that's between them and their maker. And, uh, and, and, but it's important, I, I, and I want to delve into this because I think, and you're the perfect person to talk to about this because um, I, I run across a lot of people that are interested in change. They don't know how to accomplish it. They're not even sure what it is that they want to change. They know that something just is not right, that it's off, that they're not feeling as driven as they were when they were younger. Their bodies are starting to break down. Uh, there's more, there's more, you know, uh, hip replacements and, and knee replacements and all that kind of stuff happening and stuff. And, and you, when you, in, in the late nineties, when you can, when you, the first time you had cancer, that was a life changing moment for you, wasn't it? Or was it? It really was. I mean, in fact, I thought my life was pretty good, but then you know, what's the measuring stick? I was doing what everybody was doing at my age. And I was happy to be a mom. I had three small boys. I was really excited. I was doing work that I enjoyed. I was married. And, you know, and, and, you know, I think without the crisis, I had a seemingly comfortable marriage. You know, there was a part of me, I didn't really question my life too much. But often when there is a crisis, I think that's when the rubber hits the road or however that saying is, you know, sometimes. Yep, that's the saying. People will, people will separate sometimes when there's been a, you know, they lose a child or, and so even after, after the cancer diagnosis, I went to see a social worker and she said, you know, um, an experience like this will often draw you closer or you will, things will just kind of come apart. And so I end up, yeah, my marriage just felt like my whole life, like I felt like somebody pulled this wool on a sweater and all of a sudden there was nothing left, you know, um, my partner and I separated. We had been self-employed together. We had these three small kids, you know, I was facing cancer, didn't know what the future was going to hold and very afraid, very afraid. Well, well, I'm, and you know, and that's where my awareness is. And, you know, the work I'm learning is I was very much focused on fear and am I going to live and is it going to come back? And I'm going to see my kids grow up and, you know, all of these questions And what was very interesting is my defining moment came when I was getting ready to move into my home that I was preparing for my kids and I, and I was painting the bathroom and I, I stepped off. I was, don't do this at home, boys and girls. I was on the toilet and I stepped over to the edge of the tub. Anyways, I lost my balance and I slipped and I fell 
very hard. And, you know, I kind of laid on the floor for quite a while thinking, and in a very profound moment thinking, you know, you've been so worried about cancer and how your life's going to unfold. This fall could have done it for you. You know, like just get living your life. It was really seriously a pretty profound wake up call. And then the other thing that I find very interesting, and I said, I don't think that I just don't think things happen by accident. And I'm such a believer in when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Because I really did make a decision, I think, in that moment that I wanted way more life. I didn't want to just be a cancer survivor. I want to be a cancer thriver. And within a couple of weeks, I got invited to a vision workshop, which is what I share with people, and basically was introduced to how this universe works. You know, I was told dream big. And well, that was a stretch for me. I mean, I was thinking I wasn't working at the time. And, it, and you know, sometimes you think, well, I, I don't know what I want. And I, I, don't, I don't have a very good imagination. But I tell people, you know, we can use our imaginations to terrorize ourselves. So our imaginations are alive and well. Why not use it to serve you? Why not use it to think of what you would love instead of those worst case scenarios? So I started thinking, well, I'd love to see my boys grow up. And what would that look like? Well, I'd be at my youngest son's graduation at high school. That would be a real benchmark. You know, and I want to travel. And I had this, you know, Thailand was on my bucket list in India and China. And, you know, and I wanted to do work that was really gratifying. And I was making a difference in the world. And then I was thinking, and I want to be so healthy that I'm going to run a marathon. So it wasn't that I was a runner or that was even important, but it was like a benchmark for me. And it's so interesting because I went through one more diagnosis on six months later and 18 months after that surgery and treatment, I crossed the finish line, line at Disney World Marathon. I ran a half marathon and my kids were at the finish line. And how that came to be, and this is the other thing that I love telling people, is we don't have to know the how. I didn't have the money to do it, but all of a sudden there was an awareness that there was a charity event, that if I raised enough money for this charity event, I would get my way paid, I would you know, have a room for a few days. And it was really not about the run, it was about the fact that I could actually take my kids to Disney World. And it was, it was a very modified trip. I didn't have the money to spend a lot of time there, but they had a taste of it. You know, and when I think back about that and how I found that tiny little clipping in the newspaper one night when there would be days that I didn't even get a chance to read the newspaper, if, you know, I'm busy with the kids, right? And how it just, just taking that first action step, which was registering for the marathon, that had to come out of pocket. And then I had to buy runners and I was journaling and I remember writing, okay, I spent $100 for registration. I spent $100 on runners and so far $5. But I just kept getting inspiration. And, and that was before internet. I just wrote everybody I knew saying, you know, I'm coming out of this cancer diagnosis and, you know, it's nice to focus on something besides myself. And, and then the money just started pouring in, Kevin. I raised so much money, they paid for two airfares. <laughs> and uh yeah it just turned out amazing so so you know sometimes people we always think we need to have all these green lights in a in in a row before we back out of the driveway and this is not how it works you have to make a decision for what you want and then it's just a real trusting that the how will be shown 
It's going to unfold and you'll be shown the next step. When you're driving to another city at nighttime, you only need to see as far as your headlights shine. And the way will be made. If you are in love with what you want and you're committed and decided for it and you're taking action steps, you know what? That's how dreams come true. And it's interesting that you bring that up because I think a lot of people would like to believe that but they don't have the trust level and, and they're not either. They're not seeing the signs or they don't have the trust level or they're telling the, their friends and family are saying, Oh, now don't be so silly. You can't do that. Whether it be an author or a talk show host or whatever it is um, that you have an, a marathon runner. I can't imagine. I can't imagine running a marathon. That is so cool. The, the, I didn't set any records. I want you to know that. <laughs> well, you know what? You set a record for yourself, and that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. And 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 your three boys must have. I'll bet you they were just excited as, as heck to see you do that. Yeah, I, and I think this has been the biggest. Um, I don't want to say payoff. One of the most gratifying things for me is who I'm showing up for for my children. They're grown men now, and, you know, I just feel like I've set the bar. Like, you guys go out and live lives you love. You know, when I was leaving to Mexico, my youngest son sent me the sweetest text the day I was leaving. It's just like, you go, Mom. You just keep following your dreams. You're such an inspiration. <laughs> and, you know, and I just think it's awesome, you know, and I and I appreciate being that mother. I don't want my kids to feel like I'm needy and they got to look after me. I mean, there may come a time when that needs to happen. But I want them to know that I'm doing just fine, and uh, and and yet I'm there for them. We talk a lot, and lots of encouragement. And you know, this book that I've written, it's got, you know, it's actually written as a picture book for kids ages four to eight. And I was in a school before I left. Today's my sixth presentation this month, and I actually got the opportunity to go into a community school close to where I live, and I presented to three, to the whole school. So I presented from kindergarten to grade two grades three to grade five, and then grades seven to nine. And so the message that each one of them took was very different. But the bottom line, I feel like this is even more impactful for kids that are older because they're more, if they could become more aware as you're getting into that peer pressure, you know, I got to fit in, I'm not good enough, I can't join that group, I'm not a good enough athlete. That's the voice that shuts people down. And this book speaks about it. It's about a little caterpillar who wants to become more. He's tired of being on a branch. He's tired of eating leaves. And it's just such a metaphor for our lives where, and we're meant to grow. We're not meant, nothing in nature stands still. But often we get this longing, I just want more. I want a better job. I want to use my gifts and talents. And then we shut that down and we go, well, I should just be happy with what I got. And, you know, really good is the enemy of great. So many people just settle at, or I'm fine. I'm fine. This is one of my mentors says that F word has killed more dreams. I'm fine. You know, go for what you want. And so this little caterpillar, and, and again, that I just feel like this was a download. A caterpillar will become a butterfly. They don't think themselves out of it. That's how nature works. But in my book, this caterpillar can think. And so, you know, he's tired and he's looking and then he looks around when he's getting ready to go into the chrysalis or the cocoon phase. And suddenly he looks around and this is to me, this is his vision based living. He's not looking down at the branch anymore. He's looking and he's seeing, you know, oh, my God, squirrels are playing hide and seek and the robins and the woodpeckers. 
And then he has more longing and discontent. So he now really wants more for his life. And he, he doesn't say, I want to be a butterfly, but he goes, okay, I don't want to be on a branch anymore. And this voice from deep within him goes, well, what would you love? If anything were possible, what would you dream of? It's a rhyming book. And he goes, well, I'd love to fly. I'd love to be flying around the world. I'd love to be drinking nectar from flowers instead of eating leaves. And I'd love to be beautiful instead of being this drab little caterpillar. And he falls asleep into this vision full of wonder. And then it goes on to say, and sadly, when he wakes, and this is the part this is the rigor. Nothing's changed. He wakes up from this dream and he's still a caterpillar. And often people will have these great dreams and then they think about how hard it's going to get to the, be to get there. And so it says, now gone was the voice, you know, that was so warm and serene. Now he's hearing from this voice that goes, silly little caterpillar with your big and foolish dreams. Just be grateful for what you do have and, you know, forget about your schemes. And it goes on and on. This voice went full of know-it-all advice. You know, it's your it's your dreary coat that keeps you safe. And its voice was not very nice, something like that. And then he gets very discouraged. And at the end, he goes, so forget it, little caterpillar. From this branch, you're not going to go far. Flying and drinking nectar? Ha! Who do you think you are? And so I just think every listener can put themselves in that voice. I'm presenting this message to adults. I coach this to adults. And the thing about this book is I think we need to know that that voice is always going to be a player when we're going to grow and stretch. And the work of transformation is to reconnect to our vision and listen to the voice that says, but what if you could believe and the way will be made. So that's really the powerful message in this book. And then the, and then the caterpillar really goes into dreaming at night. And so he's still a caterpillar. But he's like starting to see himself. It's hard to believe this sense. He's starting to see himself in his vision. And that's what we want to do. We have so much power with our minds, right? And so eventually it says he changes into this chrysalis. And this is where so many people collapse back. And we were talking about this before we started the show, is that what actually happens in that cocoon phase and in, in this transformation is that what was caterpillar breaks down to nothing. It's just a goo. And all that's left when it's a goo is the imaginal cell, like the blueprint for this butterfly and the central nervous system. And so when I'm coaching people, I say, you know, we're kind of in this letting go of the old life and we're not butterflies yet. We're in this goo phase. But what we have, the imaginal cells is our vision and the central nervous system is our ability to think like a butterfly when we're only caterpillar. So um, it's a powerful book. And of course, at the end, he does he does fly. You know, it says he changes and becomes- Oh, a, you ruined the ending. No, but the, at the ending, the, cater, the butterfly will actually talk to the reader. Oh, good, yeah. good. Well, you see, we all, I, I think that, what, what are there, 8 billion of us? I, I believe that each one of us has got a a thought in a dream of who we could be, of what we could be, and so many of us either for circ either circumstances or they just they fall back into being, you know, a leaf eater rather than growing into a butterfly and enjoying the nectar because um, it's it's hard. It's it's not an easy road, and I, I know a lot of spiritual people, a lot of people that are trying to be more than they were. It's not an easy road. You're right. No. It can be it can be very difficult, but the rewards are so sweet. 
They're so sweet. And it's really, you know, I, I was even thinking about this trip to Mexico. So I'm from Canada and I don't have a TV. I like positive talk radio. So I rarely listen to or hear news. And I went to pick something up one day and the seamstress I was dealing with knew I was going to Mexico. And she goes, did you hear what happened in Mexico? So then I said, no. And this was, I don't know if it's big news in the States, but one of the drug cartels family members was arrested and there was violence in Mazatlan. And, and so I noticed that fear in me and I was thinking, you know, I'm going to a completely new place. I've never had to fly here before. I have to figure out how I'm going to get to Puerto Vallarta, how I'm going to get to Guadalajara, how I'm going to get from Guadalajara to Ajica. And it would have been so easy to not come, but I kept leaning into what I would love and my vision of what I might see here. And I thought, well, I'm never going to know if this is what I want, unless I go there. And so, you know, I want listeners to know just because I'm in this work does not mean that I do not experience fear when I'm changing. And last summer I got on my bike and this was ridiculous in some ways when I ended, but that fueled me this time. I ended up riding my bike almost 2000 kilometers across Canada last summer as I was really advocating for youth mental health because this book is dedicated to my brother who struggled with mental health his whole life and died five years ago. And I remember I made the decision to ride that bike. And I'll tell you, it took me six weeks to get ready. And every day I would just think, what the heck am I getting myself into? You know, and the voice of fear was saying to me, well, who do you think you are? You've never done this before. You've never ridden any distance for two days in a row. Uh, you don't even have a bike. This is how it all started. You don't even have the panniers, the gear, the nothing, the experience. Do you even have the stamina? And then the last one was, you know, like, get real in. You're 66 years old. How far do you think you're going to go? This was my internal voice, right? Right. But I've been in this work long enough to really connect what I love it. And when I started, when I talked to some woman who'd done this, I was ignited by something in them. And this was post-pandemic. I was ready for more. I was, you know, there was some longing and discontent after being in a bubble for two years. But every time I felt this fear, I'd think, oh my God. And then I thought, you know what, just start, just start and just get on your bike every day. That's all you need to do. And if it ends, you know, I even put this little post, I think it was Theodore Roosevelt who talks about, you know, it's the one in the arena who dares greatly, even if he fails. <laughs> it's like I was setting up anybody who was following me that, okay, guys, I'm going to dare greatly. I don't know if this is going to end well, but you know what? It did. It, it ended up just fine. You know, it, and it's in your, and that's what, that's what I want people to know is it's the most gratifying experience when you walk through the fear, which is the only way around it and don't let it stop you. I mean, just, and, you, and that's how we build our confidence muscles, right? Our spiritual fortitude. You know, I, I learn lessons through movies, mm. and <laughs> interestingly enough, and it was just watching an old, old movie. Oh, goodness gracious. It's an old, old movie now. It was Rocky III, oh, yeah. and, and uh, um, I was just speaking to your point, and so I heard Adrian say, when you said, I'm not always perfect, and da-da-da-da-da, and, um, and Rocky was uh, running on the beach, and, and uh, he was scared. And because he was going to fight this guy that beat him up and, and stuff. And, and um, Adrian came up and was starting to talk to him. And, uh, and he said, all right, you want me to, you want me to say it? Okay. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And she said, well, you're human, aren't you? And that would be my response to 
everybody. Yeah, you you can be afraid, but you're and because you're human, but we have got the ability to rise above that. Right. And just know that anybody who has done great things in the world has failed over and over again. You know, when I go into the schools, I talk about the Wright brothers to the kids. And I said, you know, think about that as an audacious dream. Nobody had flown. These are two bicycle mechanics. This is what they did for a living. And they had a vision. So they're used to wheels on the ground. What if we could put an airplane, you know, create a flying machine? And with the response that they got was people would say, people around them would say, look, if God wanted us to fly, he would have given us wings. And they failed over and over and over again. But the one they, I read more about them and they kind of almost like lived, they were very close, like a married couple, they shared bank accounts and everything. And every time they failed, one of the brothers would say, don't worry, brother, I can see it in my mind. We're going to do it. We're right. going to do it. And so the first flight, and this was fun when I was talking to the kids in the grade one and two, I said, how long do you think that first flight was? And, oh, 27 hours. It was 12 seconds. 12 <laughs> seconds. Yep. But you know what? I think it was 63 years later, we landed a man on the moon. And it would never have happened without those 12 seconds and all of those failures. In the other story that I that I like to tell, are you, are you familiar with who Roger Bannister is? Or was yes broke the the four minute mile right yes there was a time when when he was in search of that and doctors would come out and say oh no the human body cannot run that fast it's not possible and yeah. and um so but he believed that he could run fast a mile in less than four minutes and so he practiced and he practiced and he finally did it after he broke the four-minute mile barrier, it is high school kids are now running sub four-minute miles. Yeah, and it was within a month, I think, that the next person did it after Roger Bannister. It was like he broke through the barrier that it was impossible. And, you know, even when, um, and this is another story I share when I'm coaching or in my vision workshops, when Kennedy was in power in the early 60s, he went to NASA. This is before anybody landed on the moon. And he said to the scientists there, like, what's it going to take for us to put a man on the moon in this decade? This was in the early 60s. Right. And the scientists said the belief that it can happen. So there's so much power in our believing. And this is where, you know, in this book, this is where a coach or mentorship, however that looks for people, is so vital. I mean, there's times when you do want to throw the towel in. I mean, we all have those moments, right? And often it's when we're so close to the mountaintop, you know, people that people will quit when if they could just have hung in there a little bit longer, you know, they were almost there. So, yeah. And that happens so much in life is that, or, or we listen to the people that tell us, no, you can't, you know, you gave it a good college try, good job, but now you got to go back to the way life used to be for you and you can't, and you can't continue to, to move forward. And that, that's just plain wrong because the fact of the matter is when our last day is here, nobody's going to care how much money we have. Nobody's going to care what clothes we wear. Mm -hmm. What they're going to care about is the relationships that we left behind and the people and how we were able to take what we got in this life and to make and to, and to max out what our, our potential is to be the best human being that we can be. That's what we're going to get measured by. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's really about that, like you said, it and it's even, I guess for me, I just think like I feel I think it's Thoreau who says, I just want to suck, I want to live this life as if I've sucked the marrow out of it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that, that, yeah, and that's I think that's what I want to do. We've got like this one precious life. None of us knows if we're gonna wake up tomorrow. None of us. I don't care who you are. It could be because of an accident, you know. And so, you know, the question is, what, are you doing what you love? What would make you really come alive? What do you want to do with your life? And and just to, just to highlight that point, uh, my mother, who swore that she was going to live to be 106, that was the date that she they had, that she picked. I'm going to live to be at least 106. Well, um, two um, um, July's ago, she um, I talked to her on Tuesday. On Wednesday, she played bridge. With uh, with a bunch of ladies, I don't even know if anybody under eighty knows how to play bridge anymore. But uh, so she did that, and then uh, she went out to dinner on Thursday, and came home to her house and went to bed and died. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you don't know, and you don't know when. And but the thing that I want to point out to people is that it's not like when you die, it's not the end anyway. No. But it is the end of this moment in time that, and then you're going to do move on to do something else but still this is you were gifted this this is the, being a human being on the planet is a huge gift at least in my opinion yeah no i agree i agree and again i you know just but if you need a coach if you need somebody to help you through it it is really well and the, the, the reality is a couple things i know a gal uh she's also a coach uh, her name is allison roberts and and uh she lives on the east coast and she has two coaches. Um, and I asked her and she said, because I don't know everything. I yeah. got blind spots just like every other human being. I have a coach too. And I of have, course you do. <laughs> and I, work, and I work with a coach who has coaches. And yeah, it's so true. And, and I think too, I, I just want to keep growing. You know, I don't want to reach a plateau and then just think, okay, I've arrived because I know I haven't. There's always something new to learn. There's always, you know. I have a, a friend of mine who is a financial planner. He's got programs. He's got a podcast. He does all kinds of stuff. He only works with million dollar plus customers. And uh, he, um, I asked him, he makes, he makes, he makes six figures almost all the time. And uh, um, I asked him, how come uh, you have a coach? Cause he has, he has a financial coach. Mm -hmm. I, said, I thought you knew everything about finances. Why do you have a coach? And he said, because I have blind spots too. Mm -hmm. I have an ego. I need to understand why I make certain decisions and do certain things. It's, it's just, it's just a, so smart people have coaches. I'm lucky. Cause I get to, from, you know, like for free, talk to people like you all the time and stuff. And so it's, I'm very lucky in that way. Um, but uh, I think it's, I think it's really important. If you want, if you want to change, if you want to become who you really are, then you need someone to help you through that. And it may not be your spouse or your father or your mother or your brother or your sister or any of those folks. It needs to be somebody who can, who can uh, set goals with you. And, and most of it, mostly it's that a word, that, that accountability word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Accountable. Yeah. And even just giving people the awareness. Um, I've got a powerful exercise I do in my vision workshop and and it's like when you're given the, you know, you start by start with a, 
um, an exercise where you have to start finding the number one and going all the way up. And, and then I give them, I show them a pattern inside of that and their, their results are exponentially better, like not just one or two. And so this is what I really try to share with them is that there's no guesswork to transformation. There is a predictable proven pattern. This universal universe runs according to spiritual laws and principles, just like gravity. Gravity works the same for everybody. Electricity, if things are wired according to the way they're supposed to be, we have electricity. There are laws. These are laws. I mean, planes fly because of gravity, aerodynamics. These are all universal laws. And we kind of go through life, you know, often not understanding that we have to align ourselves with those laws and how they work to get new results. That's the only way it works. That's the only way it works. And by the way, Lynn Harley has been our guest today. And I'm going to honor her time because she is in Mexico. And she's, uh, what's the time there? Is it is it 3.47 there? Actually, I am on Central Standard Time. So it's almost 6 p.m. Which is Oh, it's time for you to go have dinner. Do you guys have a, a common area? I do, yeah. Yeah, it's really great food and lovely conversation. And before I go, though, I just want to tell people about this book. It is not just for young kids. If you have a graduation coming up, somebody who's, I think it's just a powerful message for someone leaving high school or university. Um, I've had people, and I've got it on my website, you know, bought it for a 60-year-old who's going through stuff. Because these voices are common to all of us. I don't care how old you are and how, what's the word I want to say, how much you know Every time you grow, and, and I think this is why we're on this planet, is to grow and evolve and be our best selves and do some good things here, that you're going to hear from both of these voices. And so um, just a great, powerful message in there. And if you do buy it on Amazon, which it's there now, please, 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 please leave a review. I'd appreciate that. But you can go to her website, which is lynnharley.com, and you can buy the book right there. Lynn, and Lynn with an E and two N's. Exactly. And uh, the name of the book is What If You Could? And it's a story of a, of, a, of a caterpillar that turns into a, a marvelous butterfly, which is what we all do at, at one point in our lives as well. So uh, it's really a pleasure. Is there anything else that you would like to uh, tell our audience before we wrap up for today so you can go have dinner? I think I would just like to leave the audience with this quote and it's by Howard Thurman. And it's just like, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what our world needs is more people who've come alive. So a very powerful, expansive question is like, are you loving your life right now? Are you doing what makes you come alive? And if you're not, what would that look like? Exactly. Exactly. And, and live your best life. And, and, and that's, I couldn't say, have said that better than you just did. So I'll leave it there. And uh, I want to thank you for being our guest today. And, and, you know, I love these conversations, so you're going to have to come back and we're not done yet. I will come back and I love what you're doing. So keep it up. It's just so great to have positive news out there and guests who can share what they're doing with other people and maybe support somebody in some way. So well, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I cannot tell you how many people are listening. I do not know. I do not care. It does not matter. We put together a quality program. I leave it up to the universe to decide who gets it and when. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you take care. And I do look forward to our next conversation, Kevin. That's what I'll Thank say. you. Thank you so much. And wait right there. I'll be right back. 
Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.